0: If you were running for president, what would your campaign slogan be?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Well, I guess it's always good to rhyme, isn't it? What about something like, vote Brian, you won't catch him lying? I don't know. (laughs) Or for you, Jackie, you've got a good name. You've got a great politician name. What about, vote Fox at the ballot box?
0: Oh, that's really good. Or zero Fox given. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) I was thinking for you. She doesn't give two Fox. I don't give two Fox. In bod we trust. In bod we trust.
1: Oh, I love that. Bod, save America. That's great. Really good. Yeah, go for it. It's a hit. From RTE News, this is States of Mind.
2: <laughs> this American carnage. We've been uh, fired at with rubber bullets. My- stops right here. <laughs> and stops. Right now, I do not believe we're the dark, angry nation that Donald Trump sees in
0: his tweets in the middle of the night. Your U.S. Election 2020 podcast
1: with Brian O'Donovan in Washington
0: and Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today.
2: Well, you would have to, like, drag me up the cliffs of Moher to get me to work for Donald Trump. We'll restore hope and we'll welcome them into a great national crusade to make America great again. They want to silence us, but we will not be silenced.
0: Effective campaigning and a candidate's message, millions of dollars spent and endless hours on getting it right, Because if you want to be President of the United States, you better have a good one.
1: Yeah, and a big thing, of course, is the slogan. The catchphrase and a good political slogan can really boost you. They date back to 1840, the election campaign of President William Henry Harrison, the first time that we saw political campaign slogans being used. Then with the advent of mass communication after World War II, slogans became a vital way of distinguishing candidates. An effective slogan sums up the candidate's pitch to the country in just a few words and it has to be powerful enough to cut through the endless onslaught of information I like Ike was one of the most celebrated political slogans in and US history someone. used for, yeah. Ike for President Ike for President Ike for President Ike for President You like Ike I like Ike Everybody likes Ike. Ike For President It's catchy It has the little rhyming going on It was for Dwight D. Eisenhower who was nicknamed Ike in his successful 1952 presidential campaign and probably one of the more famous ones of course in recent years Yes We Can from Barack Obama in 2008 which served him very well and secured him two terms in the Oval Office
0: You mentioned some of the memorable campaign slogans there Brian but there's been good international ones as well It's not just in the united states i don't know are, are you a quiz man brian
1: i've been known to dabble
0: okay well i think we should play a little game of who used it who used the campaign slogan
1: excellent go for it yes okay. bring I, it on
0: I, i've got a little pretend buzzer thing here so this will be no, a wrong answer we got to a... look at that look okay. at that and then for a right answer we got a little chime you ready nice. to go? I love you ready it. ready to go? Go for it. Okay. Strong and stable, Theresa May or Richard Nixon?
1: Richard Nixon.
0: Wrong. It was Theresa May in 2017 during the uh... UK's general election. Okay, next one. A kinder, gentler nation, George H.W. Bush or Tony Blair? Tony Blair. I don't need to actually go that far to find the wrong again Brian 1988 oh God, George H.W. Bush you said you were a quiz man come on now that's the first I am two not good at wrong this.
1: I'm, not, I'm not good in my slogans
0: okay third one we'll, we'll go for an easy one this time let's please let's make America great again Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan
1: both originally coined by Ronald Reagan
0: I think you get double points for that because it was kind of a trick question <laughs>
1: Yes, they both used it. And actually, well, you could say that Donald Trump copied it off Ronald Reagan. But yeah, he was the first to go with the the, the, the Make America Yeah, a lot again. of
0: things, people think that it was actually Donald Trump that um, brought it forward. But he really just dropped the word nope, let's. That was,
1: that, was, that was a Reagan one. Okay. Yes, you're right. He took out the let's, yeah.
0: Okay, we'll go for one more. The way forward, Jimmy Carter or Charlie Hawley? Charlie Hawhey. Yes, you're right. Fianna Fáil in November 1982. It was the second election in the year and also the shortest serving government. So you got two out of four, right, Brian? But I think we got gave you double points for your Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan answers. So wait now, do I have a clappy sound on this? Do I? Yes. Okay. Woo. So those slogans there, like many other components of politics over the past few years, Tradition seems to be eroding and campaign slogans may not have the previous impact that they once had or candidates aren't putting as much focus on them. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, we spoke about it there. Make America Great Again, Donald Trump's 2016 message. It hit home for so many Americans. What's his message this time, Brian?
1: Well, it was interesting when you look at that phrase, make America great again, He initially, at the start of this year and at the start of this campaign, changed that to keep America great. The inference being that he'd already made it great, and now the idea was that you keep it great. But then the coronavirus hit, and that changed everything. And like the rest of the world, the US went off a cliff. So a few months ago, Donald Trump spoke about defeating the virus and restoring the economy. And he said his new campaign slogan would be, transition into greatness. Now, this never caught on. It never actually appeared anywhere. It was never on any posters or T-shirts or merchandise or anything like that. And of late, it just seems the Trump campaign has gone back to make America great again, which has of course been shortened to MAGA. In terms of Donald Trump's election messages on the coronavirus right now, It's all about the economy, vowing that it will bounce back in the third quarter of this year, and then that next year will be very strong. In terms of the recent racial unrest and the protests that we've seen here in the US, his message is very clear. He is the president of law and order, and he accuses the Democrats of being radical lefties who want to defund police departments and tear down statues and monuments. And he made lots of references to this over the weekend at his Independence Day addresses vowing to defeat the angry mobs and anarchists who he said were trying to erase America's history.
0: There's not only a contrast in messaging, but how campaign teams are projecting and pushing their candidates forward. Donald Trump is giving more interviews, holding rallies, dominating news coverage. Joe Biden is on the sidelines while the president is holding the front pages. It's difficult to determine where Joe Biden is or what his message is. It's a far cry from the political campaigns from years gone by.
1: Yeah, this is a campaign like no other. Joe Biden virtually invisible on the campaign stage. He's down in his basement in his home in Delaware, where he's sort of been quarantining, cocooning for the last few months because of the coronavirus. He has started in recent weeks to emerge. He's coming out and about attending a few events. He held a press conference there last week. But... Still a very low-key campaign, but it isn't damaging him in the polls. Joe Biden has a massive lead in the opinion polls right now. And there is still a campaign. There's lots of merchandise. There's lots of slogans. He has no malarkey and restore the soul of America. And he's another slogan, Jackie, that I don't think would play particularly well in the focus groups in Ireland, which is I'm riding with Biden. But there you go. That's a different (laughs) use of the term here in the US. But him disappearing and not being out there in any way, shape or form, hasn't damaged him at all in the opinion polls. Joe Biden is not the best media performer. He's not the strongest debater. And there's a sense out there that maybe by staying quiet and staying out of the media spotlight, it's doing him a lot of favours. We know the Trump campaign has been pushing for more debates. There's three presidential debates. The Trump campaign has been asking for a fourth. The Biden campaign has said no. And that is because Donald Trump knows and hopes that if there were more debates and more media focus on Joe Biden, it might erode some of that very large lead that he's amassed in the opinion polls.
0: Whoever knew, Brian, that a presidential race would turn into the opponent wanting to be as boring as possible to cast him as a less excitable leader during a national time of crisis. It's such an odd moment in US presidential politics where the candidate with the better TV ratings and more coverage is watching approval ratings fall. Does this mean that less is more for 2020 Let's check in with someone who's been around the campaign block with the Republican Party and has a lot to say about this current Republican president. John Weaver, American political consultant, best known for your work on the John McCain presidential campaigns of 2000 and 2008. Before we go into where your efforts and your energy lie now, with your experience in previous elections and campaigns, we've been talking about the importance of message, where it can go right, where it can go very, very wrong. How do you begin to... Sketch out a plan for a presidential campaign, and actually, is it true you sketched out the plan for John McCain's presidential campaign on a cocktail napkin?
2: Leave it to somebody from Ireland to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I I was in a I was in a bar in Alabama working on another campaign, and I just sketched out a vision of how that might work with unfettered press attention which turned into the Straight Talk Express, where... This is one of several Straight Talk Express tour buses that the senator has.
3: It's 45 feet long, by 13, three inches high.
0: This bus is really famous back in 2000. He sort of rode through New Hampshire. Reporters would crowd on, and he would talk to them for hours and hours on end. And it sort of you know, fueled his, his rise here in New Hampshire, and he's hoping to sort of replicate that success here again in 2008.
2: The press were constantly, the media were constantly on the bus and around Senator McCain. And of course, he took to it so much that he really didn't have much time for the staff. He rather would hang out with people like you and your colleagues and peers. And while we were unsuccessful, you know, in in defeating uh, George Bush in the primary, you know, we did overcome a 66 to three uh, disadvantage in polling in New Hampshire and won by landslide. And it and it propelled John to a status that he didn't have before, notwithstanding his POW years and all of that but at the end of the day all campaigns reflect the character and the principles of the person at the top the campaigns that i've worked for with john mccain or john Kasich, they reflect or george hw bush they reflected their character and their good principles and their decency what we see with donald trump is that
1: his campaign reflects his values if donald trump was your candidate and you were looking at these poll numbers at this point in time they are pretty abysmal would you be almost throwing in the towel? Would you be throwing your hands up in the air in despair? Or do you think the polls can be turned around in the next four months?
2: Uh, well, you would have to, like, drag me up the cliffs of Moore to get me to work for Donald Trump. So I'm not sure that that's a possibility I could even consider. But, But, look... Today's polling is just a snapshot. And what I tell the the followers and supporters of the Lincoln Project and those who are supporting Joe Biden is we need to make the polls today reality in November. They're aspirational. We can even make them better, but we have to work really, really hard. We have to organize. We have to make sure everyone's registered to vote. The polls look bad for the president. He's earned them. Now, look, he spent $800 million to get to 38 percent of the vote. And you can, it doesn't matter how much money you have when you're constantly trying to divide the country. Politics is such a free market production. It's about mathematics. It's about addition, not subtraction. And that's, that's something that I don't think the the president has realized yet. He is going to be the issue in this race. You know, in in 2016, uh, he was running against Secretary Clinton, who had been involved in politics and in public life for 30 years and had been demonized fairly or unfairly by Republicans over that whole time. So she basically was the incumbent and he was the theory and people in a good economy, things were going pretty well. They took a flyer on a theory. Well, it's a fact now, and he's going to be the, the penultimate uh, issue in November. No, no, you know, notwithstanding whatever he says about Joe Biden, if he had, now look, if he had message discipline where he was talking about how to deal with the pandemic in an empathetic, organized way, and if he was giving people hope about the economy, the race could tighten up. But he has the attention span of a gnat on crack. So I don't anticipate him staying on message.
1: You mentioned, John, uh, there, the Lincoln Project I, living here in the US, have seen some of your TV ads. You run these attack ads against Donald Trump. It's all about uh, tripping him up and damaging him in the election.
3: Hey, Donald, your campaign manager told you a million fans wanted to come to your first big rally. Turn out in Tulsa? A dud. Honestly, we're not surprised. We've seen that you're shaky, can't keep your polls up, and it's getting worse.
1: Our listeners back home in Ireland won't be familiar with the Lincoln Project. Maybe talk to us a little bit, but what is it and why did you decide to set it up?
2: Well, the Lincoln Project named for our first Republican and greatest president in our history, Abraham Lincoln, who saved the Union, wanted to bind the wounds of the nation in the middle of a civil war, but only after the enemy was crushed, is our namesake. And so a group of four Republican consultants got together myself and three others and formed this in December we we waited as long as we could uh, Brian because we kept hoping that a person of higher standing an elected official a governor a senator <clears throat> someone like that would do it and we looked upon ourselves it'd be similar to like the bell bondsman you know uniting to save the rule of law right <clears throat> so we we didn't want to do this it kind of came to us <clears throat> so we formed this organization, announced it in an op-ed in the New York Times and raised a million dollars on Twitter in one day. So we thought, well, we definitely struck a chord and and we've now built it to hundreds of thousands of followers and it's become a movement. We've sort of entered a, a space, a truth space, because in politics in America today, people either don't deal in reality, don't deal in truth, and they don't speak their minds. And so we've, we've, I think, struck a chord in speaking the truth about the president and his enablers. And the president has, as you know, has reacted directly to our advertising. He's attacked the project. He's attacked many of us by name. We have some people that claim to be Republicans, and they've gone crazy. Weaver and Schmidt, all losers. And in doing so, he's only helped us raise our awareness He's helped us raise more money, which we've then been able to plow into uh, targeted swing states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, Michigan, for example. And we're going to keep at it.
0: What do you do, though, about uh, the Republicans' sizable majority in Congress, well at least in the Senate, who continue to back him. Is the Republican Party itself in need of a rebranding? It seems like it is in a more fractured state than even the Democratic Party. And it seems that the split just didn't happen with Donald. Trump, you can no. you can attribute all the blame to him. It's kind of been manifesting behind the scenes for a while, even in the formation of the Tea Party movement.
2: Oh, that's right, Jackie. This I mean, Donald Trump is the symptom. He, he allowed, he, he took over a hollowed out party that had shed its principles. We used to be a pro-immigrant party, a party that was proud of our trade policies, a party that cared about our allies and our national security policy, a party that embraced our past. We've become a nationalist party, a, uh, a anti-democratic little D party, a party devoid of ideas. And he saw that and he took an opportunity and the party leaders out of either cowardice or careerism, self-subjugated themselves to him. And we are running ads. Look, all of us have spent our entire lives in Republican politics, electing scores of senators and governors and working for every Republican presidential nominee since Ronald Reagan. But we now believe that the party and its enablers of Donald Trump need a wholesale blasting in in, the, in November and in subsequent uh, elections. This is kind of like one of those zombie TV series, in my mind. Even if we're fortunate enough to dispatch the main zombie, Donald Trump, this November, that will just be the end of season one. And we will have all these other smaller zombies, but equally dangerous, roaming the American political landscape that we'll be chasing people like Tom Cotton and Josh Hawley. They're anti-immigrant, they're anti-growth, they're anti-inclusivity. And so our our effort won't stop in November or when Joe Biden takes the oath of office, hopefully, it will continue.
0: Is it a bitter pill to swallow, though, voting for Joe Biden in November for you?
2: No, not no. I, look, having worked for Senator McCain, I've been around Vice President Biden quite a bit. He's a he's a fantastic person. He's a he's got a good heart. He has he has relatives from the west of Ireland, as you know. No, I, I, he's the he's the, the exact right person at the right time for America. He has uh, the, he's endured the kind of tragedy from humble beginnings that he has clear empathy. I, I'm proud to vote for Joe Biden. It is bittersweet, however, to have spent your life in the Republican vineyards to now know that you have to take a flamethrower and burn that vineyard down. That's bittersweet.
1: Critics of Donald Trump's campaign would say he's going after Joe Biden too much on age and cognitive ability and suggesting somehow that he's not mentally 100% there. But the Lincoln Project, you've gone very hard on Donald Trump. Something's wrong with Donald Trump. He's shaky, weak, trouble speaking, Trouble walking. So why aren't we talking about this?
3: Trump is not well.
1: Are you not stooping to the Trump level when you go after an issue like age and cognitive ability?
2: Well, Donald Trump has upended our politics by calling people names, by attacking races of people, by attacking our military, by attacking a prisoner of war, a Gold Star family who lost their son in Afghanistan, or in Iraq, rather, um, Uh, Have we gone at him really hard? Yes. But is it totally legitimate? Totally. He made a midnight run to Walter Reed Hospital. He refuses to release his medical records. Mm -hmm. Clearly, there's some issue with his ability to uh, stay focused. And look, when he was at West Point and he had trouble getting down a ramp, we did go at him about it. And he felt so compelled a week and a half later because of what we said to relive that moment uh, at his Tulsa rally. He spent 15 minutes describing his attack on the ramp, and he made it sound like the landing at Normandy by the time he was finished. No, we're going to go right at him. We're going to use the same tactics against him that he has used against other people because we know that's how he responds. As I said, we have multiple audiences, Republican women in suburbs working class white voters, et cetera. But we also have a target of one. We are focused on Donald Trump and our intention is to keep him off message uh, on the defensive so that Vice President Biden has clear airspace and can run a
1: more positive campaign. John, lots of rumors here in Washington. I'm sure you're seeing them and reading them there in Texas as well. That it could come to a point that the polls are so awful for Donald Trump, and to avoid any sort of a landslide victory or an embarrassment, that he might just pull out of the race altogether. Do you ever envisage that happening over the coming months? No,
2: no. I think that's Washington cocktail chatter. Uh, you know, I think people are too locked up in their in their homes with an open bar, and they are <laughs> just wondering about what's what's going to happen. I don't see Donald Trump leaving the race. I see the American people rising up and driving him from office there.
0: So, what is it like to be part of a 2020 campaign? Brian.
1: We're joined now by Sawyer Hackett, advisor to Julian Castro and communications director for Mr. Castro during his bid to nab the presidential nomination for the Democratic Party during the primaries. Sawyer, thanks for joining us. So I'm going to put a scenario to you. Julian Castro comes through the primaries. He is the candidate. He's in a position whereby he's barely left his house. He hasn't done any campaigning, but he has a double digit lead in the national polls and a huge lead over his opponent in all of the swing states how would you be feeling right now if he was your candidate
3: we have reason to be hopeful we have reason uh, to be excited about the numbers we're seeing but we sh- we should also be very skeptical and we should also be uh, doing everything we can right now to make sure that we're sending the right messages and uh, putting forward those plans but let's let's also recognize that Joe Biden came through this primary with some of the best numbers that we've ever seen from a democratic nominee and while it's very true that Donald Trump has, has sort of shot himself in the foot and not stepped up to meet these crises, you know, Joe Biden has. And I think what, what people really recognize with Joe Biden is that he's a he's a person who can heal our country, who can bring people together at different ideological uh, backgrounds, And I think uh, they recognize that he's the sort of steady arm of leadership that this country needs.
0: Can you paint a picture for us of what is it like to be part of a presidential campaign in 2020, the days the hours the thought process possible moments of hope and I'm sure there were a lot of moments of despair as well Sawyer
3: yeah it's it's an incredible experience um, that's that's really unlike any other I mean I was doing I sat down and, and looked at my calendar the other day and I I took something like 185 flights in the last wow. year uh, and I haven't been on a plane in four months now because of the coronavirus but It is just a constant moving machine, and it's constantly changing, and every single day is a new day. But uh, the hours are long, and it's grueling, and of course, there are hopeful moments. Um, You know, I can think of one was the first debate. We had a great moment, which sort of sparked our campaign and had a little bump in the polls, and uh, those days are great. But of course, there's also bad days, you know, the constant road trips through Iowa and New Hampshire that, that they definitely get old after a little while. So.
0: How do you get the message right in a campaign like that? Um, for Julian Castro, it was one nation, one destiny. How do you hash them out? Does does that take time?
3: It does take time, um, and there is there's definitely a process that goes into um, developing a campaign message and developing a campaign's vision, uh, and that happens on the front end of the campaign, uh, for obvious reasons. But you want to have the sort of steady steady. Campaign message that sticks with you throughout the whole thing, but of course, uh, the dynamics change throughout throughout the race. The issues change, the the, the front runners change, um, and so of course, you have to sort of meld things and 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 change things as you go. And so, yes, one nation, one destiny was was our slogan heading into the heading into the campaign, and it was a slogan he continued to use throughout the campaign. But we also sort of developed dual visions where uh, we 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 focused on a message about people. Uh, and and every single policy platform that we put out, we labeled people first, um, because we really want people to understand that uh, everything that Secretary Castro was pushing for, it's about putting people, not big special interests or big corporations or Washington politics, it's about putting people first in all of our policies.
0: Is it tough to lean on one person, as in you represent them, you have to defend everything they say? Any coverage is good coverage, right? But are there moments you go, "Oh no"? <laughs>
3: um, that that is definitely the case, and I think it happens a lot more with with others than it does with Secretary Cash Joe. I, I think he is, uh, by and large, uh, our best messenger on the campaign. You're he, very loyal. <laughs> yes, um, no, but it, it's true. I mean, you know, every every press uh, staffer, you know, they watch their boss sort of with grated teeth. Uh, hoping that nothing comes out that that might create a sort of mess in a press press conference or at an event but it is true i mean it you know you have to have a sort of mind meld with your with your candidate you have to be on the same page about about messaging Oftentimes, you're speaking for them um, even when they can't be there to be spoken for there was a memorable moment during one of the debates
1: when Julian Castro questioned Joe Biden you
2: said your they would, would have to would buy in have to buy in if you qualify uh, for are, you, Medicaid, are you forgetting what you so said to minutes ago be <laughs> said just two
1: minutes ago and people kind of said afterwards they were criticizing him saying oh you were attacking him on his age and his cognitive abilities now i know mr castro pushed back and said that's not what i was getting at but it led to this debate and it brought up the whole thing about joe biden's age and his cognitive abilities and the trump campaign has very much latched on that in its negative campaign ads against joe biden suggesting he's too old suggesting he's not fully with it in some way what's your assessment of the negative campaigning that we've been seeing in this election cycle
3: well, yeah, I mean, you know, that moment, it, everybody has their di- their different perspectives on how those things happen. But, you know, the secretary was not in any way indicating uh, a sentiment about the vice president's memory or about his age. That says really more about what the media's perception of, of him is more than it says about Secretary Castro's. But that being said, of course, um, you know, there are moments where you have contrast with another candidate. For the most part, you want those to be positive. You want to be able to show how, you know, your vision is, is, a, is a better vision for the future of the country. You want to be able to show how you can sort of outpace those candidates on, on policy or 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 where they fail to, to sort of step up to the plate. But, you know, with Donald Trump, there's uh, there's no out-guttering Donald Trump. He, he's a politician. He plays in the gutters. That's all he does. Um, and negative is his, is his default. And so the Trump campaign is going to latch on to any sort of negative criticism of Joe Biden. That's what they're going to do. They're going to demonize and scapegoat every single aspect of his record and his history but you have to stay true to your message you have to show clear contrast where you can but but do it on a hopeful aspirational note and not just you know play in the dirt like like Donald Trump does so Kanye
0: 2020
1: I know we've spoken about Kanye before actually on this podcast um you know yes over the weekend he tweeted he said I am running for president of the United States, hashtag 2020 vision. And that's important that he put in the words 2020 because he has, of course, spoken in the past about running. It was back at the MTV Music Awards in 2015. He said he was going to run, run, run for president in 2020. But then last year he said, actually, I'm not running in 2020. I'm going to run in 2024. He then came out as this big Trump supporter back in 2018. He had this very bizarre, unusual visit to the Oval Office wearing his MAGA Make America Great Again hat.
2: I
3: love this guy right
0: Non-political, no bull****, put the beep on it, however you want to do it, five
3: seconds delay.
0: It's still unclear whether he's actually running. It doesn't appear he's registered his name with the Federal Election Commission. Plus, he does have a new album coming out and a clothing line with Gap. Just saying.
1: Yeah, so always the self-publicist, always keen to get his own publicity out there. And as you say, hasn't registered with the commission, has actually missed the deadline in many states... Mm to register as an independent on the ballot paper. But yeah, look, he's getting, everybody's talking about him. He's getting a lot of publicity, getting a lot of coverage. So maybe it's all a bit of clever marketing on behalf of Mr. West. Or maybe this time, in a few months' time, we'll be calling him President West. Who knows in 2020, Jackie? It's been one of those years. Well, who
0: who knew in 2016 uh, with Donald Trump, they laughed at him when he came out first. And look at where we are now. So, uh, Absolutely. we'll see what happens. Listen, Brian, chat to you next week.
1: Thank you. I'll get you a riding with Biden bumper sticker as well that you were asking for. I know you're interested in one of those.
0: Do I would love that for the back of my car.
1: (laughs) Have a good one. Thanks, Jackie.
0: Bye.